Ultra. Legacy Door, Episode 2.9, Recruitment. Justin Brandt, 3.43 p.m. Having cleared my docket of everything I absolutely needed to do right away, I had a moment at my desk to think about the larger situation. I was working for Jonathan Strauss, and I was working with Vanessa Dorn. These were in conflict, but as with many conflict of interest situations, there were also potential synergies. Thus far, my contributions to Vanessa's crusade had consisted of divulging things I knew and applying my incomparably discerning intellect. But that same intellect now told me I could do better. Maybe I was leaving something on the table here. Maybe, in my role as Jonathan Strauss's attorney, I could do work that would also help Vanessa and me figure out what was going on. I thought over the figures involved. There were the other Strausses. Using Jonathan's dime to investigate his own family would be pretty dicey. Plus, Herndon had already given me a bunch of info about them. Next, there were the Reeses. As I mentioned to Vanessa, I couldn't approach them myself not without raising big questions, but investigating some of their murky past might fit into the case nicely. So nicely, maybe I should ask Strauss to authorize it. Add that to the to-discuss list for tomorrow, even if he said no, how he said it might be instructive. There were the Dorns. Well, Vanessa already knew a lot about them, plus they had no tangible link to the case, so they joined the Strausses in the category of want to know more, but there's no great way right now. And last, there were the Lutchers. Their linkage to the case seemed to rely entirely on the theories of Vanessa and of the late Abigail Strauss. Or did it? Vanessa saw that footage of Lutcher with Strauss and Reese. Even if we didn't have it, I felt sure that it had existed at one time. And there was that photo her cousin Dan had found. I did the search Vanessa had described, and there they were. Harriet Reese and Frank Lutcher. Relevance... Her daughter had made a speech in her name attacking my client. She, Frank, and my client had a shared past, including Vanessa's theory that Frank was the father of Harrison, a victim of the crime my client was accused of. Vanessa had made me promise not to blab about that, but at least I'd have it in my back pocket if push came to shove. Yeah. The link was tangible enough to set a little work in motion, but shaky enough that I didn't want to go to Strauss about it ahead of time. The perfect first step. I shot an office message over to Haley Davis, the best investigator in our team of paralegals, to ask if she had time to do some background work. I couldn't justify hiring detectives, but a little extra PL time would barely register on Strauss's bill. I got back. Super busy today, but is this for Strauss? If so, let me add it. I chuckled. Everyone in the office was being very circumspect with me about our most notorious client. But apparently, there was talk happening behind the scenes. I sent, It is, but I don't know how juicy it's going to be. Not receiving an immediate response, I started a routine check of my work calendar. That's my job, I heard from my office door. And there she was, in the flesh, suited up with fierce lapels and bright colors, her black hair in protective flat twists. She was speaking in the velvety, ultra-confident tone she only used with colleagues, never with witnesses or clients. If you put me on that case and I don't find juice, then I'm off my game. I raised my hands in surrender. I just didn't want to overpromise. 
I gestured at the chair opposite my desk. Have a seat? She shook her head, but did step in and half sit on the side of my desk. No, I have to run out and take a sworn statement, but I wanted to check one thing with you, without putting it on the IMs. This isn't digging up dirt on Corva and her mom, is it? I shook my head, not sure if my face betrayed how close I'd come to asking her to do just that. Any special reason? I asked. She shrugged. I'm sure that video is giving you headaches, and you gotta do what you gotta do, but... Well, what she said hit me on a personal level, and I don't want to be the one taking a hatchet to her, especially if it meant sending me into her world like a Judas goat. I nodded, and could see why she both wouldn't want the job and wouldn't want to be on record refusing the assignment. I replied, no, it's not that, and I'm not doing anything like that yet, but if I do, I'll make sure you don't get caught in the middle. Then a thought occurred to me. Sorry if this sounds terrible, but you don't actually know her, do you? Nah, and I won't take offense, because some friends of mine have been passing the link around and asking each other the same thing. And? Not so far. Some who grew up around Kenwood know people who ran into her brothers here and there, Harrison and the younger one, but no one knows her herself. Although, you're sure this isn't the job? This is not the job. Me asking about her is strictly personal. She nodded, accepting my word. I found myself smiling, proud to have earned her trust. I've got a trail on one girl who knew her at school. Can I count on you to keep it close if I find something? If it doesn't let your guy off? Absolutely. But with this case, there's no telling how something might fit in. She nodded absently, looking like her brain was already out somewhere beyond the walls. No doubt. Okay. If I hear from her, I'll take a chance and let you know. She slid off the desk and smoothed out her slacks. Do you want the deets on the actual job? I asked. Not here. Message me. If you told me in person, I'd have to write you a confirmation memo. I'd rather hang you with your own words if there's trouble. Okay. I said with a smile. Knock him dead. Always do. She said, and left. I chuckled. There's nothing quite like people who know how good they are. Then I wrote her an instant message. For client Jonathan Strauss, background and current status check on Frank Lutcher, age circa 60, address unknown, older brother of Thomas Lutcher and Therese Dorn. Also, uncle of Daniel Lutcher and Vanessa Dorn, seen in Chicago at various points starting in the early 1990s and continuing to the present. Last seen in Lake Forest, Illinois, Sunday afternoon and Monday morning. And there it was. I had now directed an employee of my firm to do work that might be against the interest and wishes of my client and bill the work to that same client. No one person could put all the pieces together and prove that I was in ethical breach, engaging in conduct that went directly against the whole idea of being a lawyer. No one but me. But me knowing it was bad enough. With each passing moment, I felt the pride in my cleverness turning to fatigue and guilt. The sooner this case was finished, the better. Vanessa Dorn, 4.26 p.m. The studio space was in an old industrial building that had been cheaply split into a series of boxy rooms. Vanessa could hear the muffled echo of someone practicing drums on another floor. Joyce found her room, opened it with a key, 
and Vanessa tensed up at the sight of a large in all dimensions man in early middle age, with pale skin and a jet black beard, which combined with his black jeans and plain white t-shirt, made Vanessa think of him as a menacing monochrome cartoon character. Sorry, Joyce, he said, turning on his metal stool to look over from a work table. His voice was coarse, but his tone was deferential. I didn't think to book the room. I just wanted to put a couple touches on this. Joyce waved away his apology, giving a strange smile that would have been more convincing if Vanessa hadn't just seen it used on herself. No worries, Roy. I only signed it out on the way here, so take your time. Cool. I've got to skedaddle in ten minutes anyway. Well? Van? Said Joyce, turning to Vanessa and looking unsure how to proceed. Vanessa decided to play out Julia's modeling idea, asking, So should we start with sketches or photos or what? The studio wasn't the airplane hangar size that movies had led her to expect, but it still looked like plenty for two artists to use at once, especially since Roy's work seemed entirely limited to his table. Joyce smiled. Photos come first, but since you've got some time, let's mark and measure you. Here. She dragged a stool from the wall. Have a seat. I'm okay standing, Vanessa said automatically, despite having no idea what Joyce was going to do. Joyce grinned tightly. You'll stand when I tell you to stand. Until then, you will conserve your energy. Her eyes had an easy authority that Vanessa hadn't seen in them before. Joyce was in her element. Vanessa felt a slight shiver and found herself climbing onto the stool without having made the choice to do so. As she sat, her feet dangling like a child's, Joyce walked toward a shelf which held various canvas bags and plastic tubs, pulled out a bag and carried it behind Vanessa, who heard her set it on a second work table she'd seen when they entered. Roy snickered. Mr. Dewitt, she says. It'll go a lot easier that way. Don't talk to the flower, said Joyce from behind Vanessa. I'm arranging her. Roy giggled, which sounded odd coming from such a large frame, and turned back to his work. Joyce returned to Vanessa's field of vision with a dark blue sharpie and a pair of ancient-looking calipers. Marks and measurements for Vanessa Dorn, comma, on Tuesday, comma, October 10th, comma, 2017, period, said Joyce into her phone. That's spelled with a V-E, not V-A, right? Yes, answered Vanessa with a surge of reflexive embarrassment. That was my mother's idea. She honestly wanted it to have a double N and to end with an E instead of an A, Vanessa. So it would be all E's, like in her name, Therese. But apparently, Dad said people wouldn't know how to pronounce it. Parents, said Joyce, clicking her recording app off. It must be tough, figuring out exactly which things they do will screw us up and how. For those of them that actually give a fuck, said Vanessa flatly. Joyce looked at her in impressed surprise, and Vanessa beamed with pride at having that effect on her. You don't think yours did? asked Joyce. But Vanessa silently nodded toward Roy's back. Joyce returned the nod and turned her app back on. Over the next few minutes, Joyce put blue dots on Vanessa's face with the Sharpie, meticulously directing Vanessa on where to turn her head before making each one, then using the calipers to measure the distance between the dots, and speaking the measurements into her phone. Vanessa found this very freeing, and lost all track of time, compliant but only semi-aware as Joyce ordered her off the bench and posed her, each time taking photos from various angles with an SLR digital camera. She was still doing this when Roy said his goodbyes. Once the door closed, Joyce's demeanor became a shade less stern. Is it okay if I finish? I know this was a put-on, but I hate to leave it half done. Please, said Vanessa. Her passive mental state left her short of words. 
Inside, though, Vanessa had started to think. This woman was disciplined, worldly, and in control. Vanessa had tried having a confederate who was cute, friendly, and weak, and he had failed her. Perhaps Joyce would be a trade-up. Vanessa was still musing when Joyce said, Okay, that's it. We're done. You can relax now. Vanessa sat back on the stool while Joyce returned to the work table. No, over there, said Joyce, waving her toward another corner of the room. There were two stationary office chairs with a low, narrow table between them. The chairs had imitation leather cushions on metal frames. Vanessa walked to them as instructed. The cushions looked pretty beat up, but after the stool, they were heavenly to sit on. Joyce placed a sealed water bottle and a makeup kit on the table between the chairs. She then unzipped the kit, and Vanessa saw all the basics, including cold cream, astringent, and a small hand mirror. Here, clean yourself up. Bathroom's two floors down if you need it. Vanessa shook her head, picked up the mirror, and scrutinized her marked face from various angles, thinking, She's made me into a model. I can make her into a partner. Smart and tough, like Justin Brandt, but she won't have a client. Just me. That was very interesting, Vanessa said. Glad you liked it. Vanessa added, with a nervousness that was both real and tactical, and not exactly not sexual. I can make her like me, Vanessa thought, and she can make me feel safe. Ven's mouth felt dry, so she unsealed the water bottle. Joyce chuckled, and Vanessa became alarmed. Joyce studied her face and sighed. You too, huh? Ah, the unprofessional things I could do if I wasn't cursed with heterosexuality. Vanessa laughed too, mortified with embarrassment. Reaching for something to say, to change the dynamic from her being gazed at, she said, Do you only work with women? Then she took a drink of water. Joyce shrugged. These days, yes. I used to use guys, but it always turned into us boning. Vanessa sprayed out a quarter mouthful of water with a laugh, but managed not to choke. Joyce smiled and corrected herself. Okay, not always. But often enough that it affected my productivity and objectivity. Not to mention my personal life. <laughs> the best subjects are not necessarily the best partners. As Joyce said this, Vanessa looked at herself in the mirror again and felt an urge to take a picture of her face with the dots. She had her phone out and in camera mode before her inner critic told her to be ashamed of doing this in front of an artist one who had just finished taking carefully composed pictures of her with a far superior camera. She followed through anyway because stopping would look ridiculous, but made a joke of it by pulling an exaggerated sexy duck face and flashing a peace sign at the camera. Do you do that a lot? What? Take selfies? Pretend you don't care about what you're doing. Vanessa's life flashed before her, and she let the truth out. Yeah. With Dad... Mom, my stepmom, my sibs, it seemed like I was the pivot point. Like, everything I did mattered way too much. I didn't want to set things off, so I just minimized everything. Except when I lost it, then it would all just explode. So just pushing everything down into a little ball doesn't work long term? I'll have to make a note of that. Vanessa looked down, feeling chided, glum, and stupid. Hey, hey, hey. I meant that... I said that because I do that a lot. I wasn't criticizing you. Sorry, my skin is paper-thin today. Saying skin, it occurred to her to wet a pad and start removing the dots. Well, let's talk that out. 
And even though it may lack originality, let's start by blaming men. And since there's only one man that we both know, let's talk about him. Vanessa made a small giggle while wiping a dot from her nose. That's why we're here, I guess. You asked about warning signs that Dan was changing, and I didn't want to talk about them in public. Yeah. Why? It's weird. He was having dreams. Vanessa trailed off, trying to organize her thoughts while continuing her work. Joyce frowned. You only spent the one night together, right? And before that, you just said a few words at the party when I was there. And before that, not since you were kids? Vanessa nodded. So how did the subject of dreams come up? Vanessa bit her lip. There was nothing binding Joyce to her. She could lose her at any moment, like Abby had lost Vanessa. She tried to think of a summary, something a sane person might understand. They were tied into stuff we were talking about, about our family. And, and they weren't just dreams, they were visions. And at one point he had some kind of violent fit. Oh, Jesus, was he hurt? Vanessa seethed with one side of her mouth, tilted her head and said, He hurt his knuckles against my face. She matter-of-factly tapped a finger against her jaw, only then seeing in the mirror that, in wiping away the dots, she'd removed some of the makeup covering her bruise. He what? Vanessa panicked, softened her voice, as if that would soften Joyce's reaction. No, you don't understand. It's complicated. It wasn't his fault. You must know that is not going to cut it. Vanessa felt tears starting. I can't think of anything better. Well, then you're leaving me thinking he's a piece of shit. He's not. Not like that. Please don't think that. I don't want to. I've known him a long time, through the good and bad of a relationship that didn't include anything like that. Joyce looked abstract for a moment, then shook her head firmly. No way. If something like that happened to Brenda, I would know. So you see why I can't let you vague book this. Well, the only way I can explain it better is to give you the whole thing, and then you'll be in this for real, and your life will be in danger. Do you want to risk your life for a strange woman you don't know? Joyce looked dazzled for a second, then said, Definitely. Why? A combative smile grew from the far corners of Joyce's wide mouth. Because I've been waiting my whole life for someone to ask me that! You have been listening to Legacy Door, Episode 2.9, Recruitment. John Dre was Justin Brandt. Song Marshall was Haley Davis. Stacey Tappan was Vanessa Dorn. And Michelle Limone was Joyce Vera. The opening music was Ethereal Thoughts by Victor Wayne. The closing music is Nature by Melancholic Bird. You can hear more from them both on Toontank. The Legacy Door cover photograph is by Roxana and Nash. This episode's cover image is White and Gray Concrete Hallway by William Dino. You can find more of his images on Unsplash. With Justin and Vanessa adding Haley and Joyce to their team, we now take a pause before diving into the investigations and revelations of our final season, which should begin in a few weeks. In the meantime, you can find us on our website, LegacyDoor.wordpress.com, where we finally thought to put links to our social media accounts on Twitter, Blue Sky, Mastodon, and Facebook. You can also review us in Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice, or purchase the novel from Amazon or the audiobook at online stores including Audible. This is presented by Dueling Genre Productions, home of many fine podcasts. 
Legacy Doors Copyright 2021 by Bob J. Kester. All rights reserved. This is Bob J. Kester, and I'll be back in a few. Dueling Genre